ನಿರ್ವನೊ ವಧ್ಯತೆ ವ್ಯಾಘ್ರೋ ನಿರ್ವ್ಯಾಘ್ರೋ ಚಿದ್ಯತೆ ವನಂ ತಸ್ಮಾತ್ ವ್ಯಾಘ್ರೋ ವನಂ ರಕ್ಷೇತ್ ವನಂ ವ್ಯಾಘ್ರಂ ಚ ಪಾಲಯೇತ್ ವಾಟ್ ಡಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಮೀನ್ ಅಮ್ಮ ದ ವರ್ಡ್ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ನಿರ್ವನೋ ವಿತೌಟ್ ಫಾರೆಸ್ಟ್ ವಧ್ಯತೆ ಗೆಟ್ಸ್ ಕಿಲ್ಡ್ ವ್ಯಾಘ್ರೋ ದ ಟೈಗರ್ ನಿರ್ವ್ಯಾಘ್ರೋ ವಿತೌಟ್ ದ ಟೈಗರ್ ಛಿದ್ಯತೆ ಗೆಟ್ಸ್ ಕಟ್ ಡೌನ್ ವನಂ ದ ಫಾರೆಸ್ಟ್ ತಸ್ಮಾತ್ ತೇರ್ಫೋರ್ ವ್ಯಾಘ್ರೋ ದ ಟೈಗರ್ ವನಂ ರಕ್ಷೇತ್ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ದ ಫಾರೆಸ್ಟ್ ವನಂ the forest vyagramcha the tiger palayet protects now the translation if there is no tiger the forest gets cut if there is no forest the tiger can be easily killed therefore the tiger protects the forest and the forest protects the tiger this shows the interdependence of the animal and the forest which is very essential in nature we indians are very proud of our native bengal tigers the maximum number of tigers today live in india it is even the national animal of india the tiger is the largest living cat species there's only one species of tiger but nine subspecies out of which 3 are extinct it's very fortunate that we in india have been able to protect conserve and grow the number of tigers over the last few years tigers are asian animals so you will see it in folklore of many of the asian countries but not so much in europe it was not there at all in the americas or even africa for that matter one other unique type of tiger is the white tiger we have seen this in banergatta national park it is not a separate species it is just individuals exhibiting a recessive genes so this gives them white color and blue eyes but they are not albinos did you know that the stripes of each tiger are unique just like our fingerprints this is used by conservationists and scientists to monitor the movement of tigers and track their numbers and their health tigers primarily rely on their sight and sound and not smell during their hunting they typically hunt alone and stalk the prey tigers are supposed to attack humans from the back so when people are traveling in the rivers or just into the sundarbans they wear human faced masks at the back so that the tigers are fooled and they don't attack we have all been enthralled by stories of tigers as kids when the jungle book was playing on doordarshan it was one of the most loved serials in our primary school during our pt period we would pretend to be characters from jungle book everyone wanted to be mogli or one of the wolves in his wolf family but nobody wanted to be sher khan the tiger the tiger that was out to kill mogli the wolves and just about any animal in the forest everybody hated him 
Then as teenagers, I was introduced to the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon strip that came in the newspapers. Hobbes is a very interesting fictional tiger. To the child Calvin, he is a very dear friend, a partner in crime, and very alive. But to everybody else, he's just a stuffed toy. When we speak about tigers, naturally we will think about Madurga. The interesting thing here is in some pictures, Durga is riding a tiger. In others, she is riding a lion. But what is it actually? It's eternally debated. Ma Durga was conceived by the combined powers of all the gods. And all the gods gave some of their weapons or some created new weapons for her. And some gave exquisite ornaments. The tiger or the lion that she is depicted riding is said to symbolize everything that is harsh, brutal, cruel. And Ma Durga has mastered these. That's the meaning of the picture. One thing to note here is that lions and tigers don't share habitat. So maybe everybody depicted the cat that was more popular in their region when they were creating a sculpture or a painting. Either way, both cats are the masters of the jungle or the grasslands that they inhabit. When the topic of lion comes up, it's but natural for us to think of the Disney movie, The Lion King. I am reminded of a conversation between Simba as a young lion cub and his father, who was then the Lion King. Mufasa, Simba's father, gives young Simba a lesson on the circle of life. The conversation goes like this. Mufasa says, Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope. A confused young Simba asks, But dad, don't we eat the antelope? Mufasa says, Yes, Simba, let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass and the antelope eat the grass. And so we are all connected in the great circle of life. I think this short conversation captures the interdependence of all living beings and nature. This Subhashita clearly brings about the dependence between flora and fauna. Here I would like to state this interesting story. There were lots of wolves in Yellowstone National Park in the U.S. The farmers around that place didn't want the wolves because these ate their livestock. So gradually they killed the wolves and Yellowstone National Park became devoid of wolves. The farmers were happy, but a bad change occurred. The elks grew in numbers. These feasted on the trees, the willows and the aspens. These trees with their roots held the soil 
when the trees were gone, there was so much soil erosion and the rivers went haywire. So many rivers dried too. This happened over 100 years. The environmentalists studied this and later they decided to bring in the wolves. They reintroduced wolves into the park. Once the wolves came, the elk population was controlled, the tree population grew, the soil erosion reduced gradually, the fish population in the rivers also increased. The total sequence reveals that the different species in nature are very much interdependent and we should never attempt to disturb this equation. It is clear that everything is connected to everything else on our planet. And we humans have been messing with this in the name of progress. Recently, there has been great focus placed on the concept of a circular economy. A circular economy is one where three principles are enforced by design. One, there's minimal waste and pollution. Two, the products and materials that are used to produce anything is kept in circulation for the longest possible time. And three, natural systems are regenerated. Our current economy is mostly linear. That is, we take materials from the planet, produce things, and throw them away very quickly. But in a circular economy, we think more long-term and more sustainably. We stop producing waste, try to use every byproduct of an industrial process into something else. Or you may switch the materials that you use in production to be more biodegradable materials. At a personal level, we can repair our clothing, our gadgets, appliances. If some furniture breaks, maybe you can repurpose it into something else, redesign every usable item into something else, so on. The United Nations has come up with 17 sustainable development goals. By building a circular economy, we can achieve a lot of these goals. Many of the United Nations member states have adopted these goals and plan to make a change in the planet by 2030. A small example of this circular economy system, there has been a company called Pool. This company takes the discarded temple flowers and makes agarbattis out of it. Otherwise, these flowers would have just been thrown to pollute land and water. Do you recognize this song? It is a song, The Circle of Life, composed by Elton John, with lyrics by Tim Rice. This appeared in The Lion King as well. The lyrics of this song are very interesting and very relevant to what we have been discussing in this Subhashita. I'm going to read them out for you. From the day we arrive on the planet and blinking step into the sun, there's more to see than can ever be seen. More to do than can ever be done. Some say eat or be eaten. Some say live and let live. 
but all are agreed as they join the stampede you should never take more than you give in the circle of life it's the wheel of fortune it's the leap of faith it's the band of hope until we find our place on the path unwinding in the circle of life so that's it for today how are you making your life more sustainable what suggestions can you give others see you in the next episode